0: Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. Good morning, church. It's such an honor to bring God's Word to you. I am here today to bring one of my favorite topics, and that's about revival and specifically about the choices in revival. I grew up uh, knowing Jesus Christ when I was a kid is when I encountered Jesus Christ. But over the years, I started getting hungry for God, getting desperate for God, uh, getting to know about his word, experiencing the Holy Spirit. Along the way, I started getting to uh, hear about the stories of great people like Emmy Carmichael, Jim Elliot, all these greats that went into the nations and started doing great stuff for God. And then that created such a hunger in my heart. As I kept growing as a teenager, I started hearing about these great revival stories across the nations like the Azusa street and some of uh, you know the Welsh revival in even in our own nation where there was this mukti mission and uh, you know all those stories of the young children that were experiencing God and the Holy Spirit that came upon them them going out and sharing the truth of Jesus Christ a whole lot of stories that brought in such a hunger and a hunger for revival and studying through the scriptures I started understanding if that could happen with them it could happen in our generation. So my journey with revival started off when I was a young child. Why I'm saying this is because young children, if you think that God cannot do anything with your life, I just want you to know it is possible because God has a purpose in your life. And uh, so in this journey of revival, definitely uh, we had a series called the Chronicles of Revival in our church. And we saw some of these phenomenal stories. Uh, We learned about what God was doing across the nations. And we studied about how specifically, even in the scriptures, what God did in and through the various revivals in the Bible. And so I just want to look into, uh, if you missed those sessions, I want you to reach out in the chat box and we can make it available for you to, you know, experience or probably to study what happened in some of these revivals. And I want to summarize some of the things that we learned as a church uh, during that Chronicles of Revival. We saw that definitely in all the revivals that are in scriptures and across the globe, there was a deep hunger a hunger for God's presence a hunger for God's word a hunger to be together to be united in one mind in one purpose in prayer, in worship and just like we are seeing in our church there is definitely or even across the churches there's a there's a stirring up of worship and prayer and people coming together churches coming together in oneness and in unity isn't that phenomenal we are living in times of revival people of God I want you to be getting to be excited, to get, uh, you know, such a, I I just pray that the Lord would stir up such a hunger in you. And Father, right now, I just want to pray for my brothers and sisters as they listen to this message that there will be this deep hunger, a deep stirring up, oh God, into a revival. And I pray, God, that you will release a spirit of revival into every heart, Lord, because you believe in them, because you have a purpose for them. Father, we just want to thank you. And, and then we also looked at the increased... Uh, Evangelism, people that were standing up and preaching God's word, and uh, you know, the God's word that was being announced in the streets, people that were going across the globe sharing God's word. And uh, we also see that because of which there was a deep repentance, people that would give their life to the Lord, there was a mass turning around, a shift in the way that they behaved, because of which even their families turned to Jesus Christ, their communities were influenced, nations transformed. I mean, isn't it amazing? to see that that's happening even in our generation. Studying through these revival, one of the things that has happened in my life is this great faith to believe. If it happened in that generation, why not in my generation? And I want you to believe with me that it is time for a revival. And uh, yes, of course, there was an increased manifestation of God's spirit. There's people speaking in tongues. There were healing signs and wonders. There was a lot of miracles that happened. Uh, there was definitely supernatural things that happened even in the you know in, in the external things that happened and so we see that there was one part where God's sovereign move happened and then there was another part of where people there's a human element that was being stirred up that allowed God's sovereign act or move to happen in that generation and so I want you to know there is a part from us as well as we prepare towards this revival in our generation and so as we study scriptures one of my favorite books is definitely the book of Acts. And as the name indicates, it's the Acts of the Apostles, which is the Acts of the Holy Spirit that moved through the apostles or his disciples. Great and mighty, wonderful things that happened by the power of the Holy Spirit through normal individual people. And um, as we study, as we go into the book of Acts, it starts off with the storyline where Jesus In Luke 24 and specifically in verse 49, where he tells his disciples to wait in Jerusalem, to tarry in Jerusalem until the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon them. So they went in obedience, you know, they they just acted upon that word. And they, they said, okay, if it is that is what the Lord Jesus Christ said, because they walked with Jesus, they were able to trust Jesus. They experienced Jesus. They knew Jesus. They had a relationship with Jesus by which they could trust his word. They have seen miracles. They have seen wonders. So they knew if Jesus told them to wait, it had something significant. And when they probably they didn't know the Holy Spirit by then, even though Jesus did teach them about the Holy Spirit. But they went to Jerusalem, they waited. And we know in Acts 1, how they waited in the room, in oneness, in prayer, in fellowship. And uh, for days they waited alongside and then in Acts 2 we see the significant story of revival. The mighty outpouring of God's spirit that came upon 120 people that were gathered in that upper room. And we know definitely about all the signs and wonders, the sound of the mighty rushing wind that filled the house. People from other places that could hear people that were in that room that were talking their language, speaking their language. Wow, can you imagine a variety of people hearing different languages speaking in the same room? That is miracle, right? I mean, that is phenomenal. And I would wonder, I mean, sitting in a room, multiple people talking in this in different languages and people in the crowd outside, they are able to understand what is being said. And that's what the Bible says in Acts 2. And then we read of how Peter rises up and preaches one of his greatest sermons. And there are a lot of people that give their lives to Jesus. And there's a water baptism, all of that, that means they, they repent, they are pricked in their heart, they are convicted in their heart, and they repent and they give their lives to Jesus. And the Bible says, 3,000 people were added to the church that day. Wow. 3,000 people in one day. Isn't that a Bible? Can we believe for that? Can we expect that to happen in our generation? And then we read in Acts 2 42, they continually devoted themselves to the teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. Wow. I feel that's another miracle, you know, continually. I find it difficult to see people coming together every single day. I mean, that takes a lot of determination. This had to be a supernatural stirring up as well. And a hunger that was created in the people. They met up every single day. To read on from verse um, 43, it says, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Wow, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, a wonder and it goes on to say many wonders and signs were taking place with the apostles, believers were together and had all things in common. They would sell their property and possessions and share them with all, wow, I mean such a selflessness that was created in and among the disciples that were gathered three thousand people gathering up together I mean maybe more because it goes on to say that uh, in Acts chapter 2 that day by day they continued meeting house to house in this pandemic I'm sure that we have definitely had our glitches with relationships and can you imagine every day having people in your home and it says that they had mealed together and they did it with gladness and sincerity of heart. I don't know how it comes to you about hospitality and entertaining people, how it keeps you going every single day having people. But this is what happened in the revival. They shared things in common. They were willing to sell their property and give it to the others that were in need. That is revival. And I'm believing for this to happen in our generation. And to read on, we see that the Lord was adding to their number day by day, those who are being saved. So day by day, there was an increase. There was people gathering up. And then we see in Acts 3 that there was a lame man that gets healed. And Peter goes on to preach his second message. And after that, the numbers increase to five thousand. Wow, Add a phenomenal. I mean, from three thousand, it becomes five thousand men, and it specifically says men in Acts chapter four and verse four. I'm sure there were m- women. Every man, if I can think of at least one wife. I mean, yes, one man and one wife, and with a couple of children. It was more than that. Can you imagine a revival of people coming together, meeting up house to house, and definitely ha- breaking bread and having you know communion, having fellowship, having the joy of the Lord. But I want us to know that that's not the story. It also came up to a place where there was threats. There was definitely persecution. We know of the story of where Saul or Apostle Paul was in the picture. And they, he started persecuting the church. And he encounters Jesus in the process. And ends up facing the same threats that he I mean, did with the church. And wow, the Bible says in Acts chapter 9. That when this happens, that the disciples, uh, he goes around preaching, of course, the disciples send him back to Tarsus. And I want to start off with this verse in Acts chapter 9 and verse 31, where it, which is the basis, Acts chapter 9 and verse 31, which is the basis of my message about choices in revival. I'm going to read it out. So the church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace as it was being built up. And as it continued in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And it kept increasing. I want to read it again. The church in Samaria, Judea, Galilee enjoyed peace as it was being built. The church was being built. And as how, did, how was it being built? And how did they see that increase? It was as they continued in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, That if there, these are two aspects, you know, that resulted or helped the church see a revival in the book of Acts. The fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. In such challenging times that we are going through, I'm sure that many of us have felt the comfort of the Holy Spirit, right? I'm sure that through the losses that we've gone through, whether it's a job loss or probably the loss of a loved one, many of us have experienced the comfort of the Holy Spirit. So we are not uh, unfamiliar. We're not, uh, I mean, it's not a strange thing that we have not experienced the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Most of us have, I'm sure. And yet through, uh, you know, uh, on the previous weeks, we definitely had some of the messages like the joy of the Lord, the Lord who sees uh, and uh, you know that we are not alone, we are not abandoned. Uh, some of these messages also that are sent by God to comfort us. The Lord is on a job to comfort his church and that helps the church. To see an increase, and through the offences that we have, you know, with all the people that are coming, and I'm sure that in the book of Acts they had all those rifts. And if it was not for the comfort of the Holy Spirit, I know of experiences where the Holy Spirit would tell me when I get offended with people, it's okay, Lena. I mean, it's not it's not that as great a big problem that as you think. And the Holy Spirit would comfort me to let go, to uh, you know, reconcile with people, and to get back in unity. And that is what brought the church together. The comfort of the Holy Spirit and was able to overcome some of those pain, the losses, you know, the grief and to come together in oneness. And so definitely one of the aspects of revival is the comfort of the Holy Spirit. But the main thing that I want to focus on is the fear of the Lord. There is a difference between being afraid and having a healthy reverential fear towards God. And I want to bring that over the next few minutes, we would see the difference as I explain the next story. In the Bible, we looked at the book of Acts, one aspect of how the church grew because of the fear of the Lord. I want us to run back to the Old Testament. And one of my favorite examples uh, next to David is Moses. And uh, the story that I'm picking up is from the book of Exodus, which is believed to have been written by Moses. And the story begins with the oppression that happened to Israel, God's chosen people, the favorite, the sons of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarchs that were chosen by God and the people that belonged to God that were being oppressed in a foreign land in Egypt. And then God sends the uh, deliverer Moses into their midst. So God encounters Moses in that beautiful experience that we read in Exodus 2 where uh, and 3 where he sends the fire and he meets up with him talks to him all that wonderful experiences and he sends Moses his deliverer alongside with his brother Aaron and not just does he send them with a message he also sends them with some of the miracles so that he can convince the people that do not probably know a Mo- Moses and an Aaron. So when Moses and Aaron meet up with the Israelites, they have the signs and wonders also that helps convince them. And so I want to read from Exodus chapter four and verse thirty one. So the people believed after having seen the signs and wonders. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about the sons of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed down and they worshiped. What a response, right? I want you to see the next few verses. After this, Moses and Aaron goes up to meet up with Pharaoh and to present the case that they want the Israelites being delivered or relieved from Egypt, to be sent out from uh, Egypt to worship God. And after that, Pharaoh's heart gets hardened and he decides to increase the labor for the Israelites. Oh, After this uh, particular incident, we see that the Israelites go against the leaders that they just were convinced about, they start grumbling. I want you to read, I mean, see this verse in Exodus chapter 5 and verse 20, they met Moses. So Moses is coming back with Aaron, his brother, after the uh, episode of having met with Pharaoh. They met with Moses and Aaron that were waiting for them. And they said to them, may the Lord look upon you and judge you because you have made us repulsive in Pharaoh's sight and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. Wow, the ones that bow down and worship they were convinced after they saw the signs and wonders through these leaders. Suddenly they turn around against their leaders and they're like, what you did was absolutely wrong. And then Moses returns to God and says, Lord, why have you brought harm to those people? Why did you ever send me? Like many of us, right? Why did you ever send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done harm to this people and you have not rescued your people at all. So now Moses is bringing his pain, his sorrow before God. God, I obeyed you. I did all that you said, but looks like things are going just bang opposite to what I thought would happen. But God does not condemn Moses. He goes back and says that Moses, just watch out. Things are yet to happen, you know, episode two, the next set of wonders and signs are yet to follow. And then we read and he shows Moses of the plans of deliverance that he has for them. And he he goes into all the 10, ten plagues that we read from Exodus chapter 10. Sorry, Exodus chapter 6 up till verse uh, chapter 13, where God walks them out from Egypt into the wilderness and we see all the 10 plagues that did not affect the Israelites, they were in the midst of the plague, they were in, in the midst of all those 10 things that happened that destroyed the Egyptians but they were unaffected, isn't that amazing, isn't that also part of probably a revival that we would we would probably expect that things around us that are going haywire, hail and you know fire and all the locusts and the frogs and everything around you but nothing comes anywhere around your house. That's what exactly Psalm 91 says. When you are under God's protection, no evil shall befall you. That's exactly what the Israelites also saw while they were in Egypt and getting out of Egypt. Long story cut short, they get out of Egypt. And now Exodus 13 onwards is their journey into the wilderness with God. I want to read verse 21 and 22 for you. And the Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way. So there is this pillar of, uh, you know, cloud that keeps them from all, you know, the the heat and everything. It's, It's like a shade for them. And it leads them on their way. And a pillar of fire by night to give them light. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day, not the pillar of fire by night. God did not take it away. Can you imagine being surrounded by these visible, obvious signs of a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night every single day? That's what the Bible says. So there are these visuals that you have every single day in the the wilderness. And then we know about the supernatural provisions, how God takes them you know, in 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 front of the Red Sea, it splits all those miraculous bing, bang, boom, you know, all those signs and wonders where they walk through that big ocean or Red Sea and they cross over and, uh, you know, they experience manna, they experience quails, they experience all these supernatural provisions. They don't lack anything, there are all these beautiful things that they experience, but And yes, and they come to Exodus 19, where uh, three months after leaving Egypt, they come to uh, this place where they camp below Mount Sinai. And verse 3 says, Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain. This is what you shall say to the house of Jacob. But I want you to know, even while they were going through all these signs and wonders, beautiful provision, protection, all of that, The people, the Bible says that they grumbled in their heart. They were complaining against their leader and against God. And yet look at what God does. Moses goes up to God, you know, up the mountain and God tells him, this is what I want you to tell Israel. You yourselves have seen all that I did to the Egyptians, how I carried you on eagle's wings and I brought you to myself. Now then, if you will obey my voice and keep my commandments or covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the people for all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now God is revealing his purpose to a grumbling, complaining people in the midst of all the revival that they were seeing, all their supernatural experiences, they were grumbling. Yet God is so compassionate to reveal his heart. Not just that. He says, and he tells Moses, I want you to consecrate these people to, you know, sanctify them, get them into that process of getting clean. And I want them to come and talk, meet up with me. I want to talk to them personally. I want to speak to them directly, not just through you. Exodus 19 and verse 16. So it came about on the third day. When it was morning that there was a thunder and lightning flashes and a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet sound so that all the people who were in the camp trembled and Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Exodus 19 and verse 18, Mount, now Mount Sinai was all in smoke. I want you to imagine with me, okay, smoke, because God had descended upon it in fire and its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace. The mountain quaked violently, okay, God is in the show. When the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke. Moses was not afraid to speak up. Even in spite of all these things that he was listening to, God answered him with a thunder. Then the Lord came down on Mount Sinai. Lord call, calls Moses up to the mountain and goes, Moses goes up again further. And he gets the 10 commandments in exodus 20 after this okay so he gets the 10 commandments he comes back with the instruction from god that god wants to speak he, he invites the israelites specifically so that he can speak to them and i want you to listen to this very carefully the the response of the israelites contrary to moses All the people were watching and hearing the thunder. Sorry, verse 18. All the people were watching and hearing the thunder and lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. When the people saw it, they trembled and they stood at a distance. Wow. Moses has the audacity to go closer, grow closer or go closer to God. But the people saw all of this and they stood at a distance. Verse 19. Moses, they said to Moses, you speak to us. And we will listen. Do not have God speak to us or we will die. Wow. Why is that so? I mean, how come you know Moses was able to say that I want to go, go closer to God or be closer to God. And yet the Israelites said that you speak to us instead. We don't want to hear this God. Reading from verse 20, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid for God has come in order to test you and in order that the fear of him may remain with you. And that you will not sin. Wow. Moses tells the people, you don't have to be afraid. So this is the difference between, you know, do not be afraid of God. But yet God wants to test your heart so that he can put his fear in your heart so that you cannot sin. You need not sin anymore. But look at the response of people of having been assured that you don't have to be afraid. You just need to walk in the fear of the Lord, which will help you to stay away from sin. The people, verse 21, stood at a distance while Moses approached the thickness or the thick darkness where God was. Wow! A difference of responses. When you fear God, you're not afraid to approach God. When you walk in sin, as the glory of God, the light of God, the presence of God, actually exposes your heart's condition, and that is why the Israelites were afraid, because they felt that okay, we we do not qualify, maybe because they couldn't approach this holy God, but yet. Moses had a different response, though he, he had a healthy, reverential love for God, you know, where he said, OK, I love God enough. I don't want to sin. I don't want to break his heart. I don't want to do anything that will disqualify me from doing his will or his purpose. So this healthy, reverential fear is what I want you to have or our generation to have. Why was Moses able to approach the presence of God and the Israelites stood in a distance? Why is it, you know, uh, the Bible talks in the scripture uh, that God tested their hearts. God knows all our hearts intentions, right? He can see even the deepest thoughts that we have. Why does the Bible say that he tested the people? It is not for him to know what is in their hearts, but it is for them to know what was in their hearts. It was for the Israelites to know that they did not have a reverential fear towards God because of which they constantly would grumble they would constantly you know complain if you look at Moses he was also in the same situation right he also had hunger he had thirst he was walking with them through these years yet we don't see in the scriptures where he complains because of this situation because of the hardship many a times it's the trials that test our hearts to see how we respond to God, whether we fear God, whether we have a reverential respect for God, whether we value his word. If you look at the life of Moses, he trembled at God's word. He followed God's instructions to the dot. Even when he had to build the temple or the tabernacle, the Bible says he did everything as God commanded. And that is the sign of a person who has a reverential awe of God. Now I want you to know that we would only rever or stand in awe of somebody who we have a deeper love relationship That is what Moses said. He had a deep love for God. And how do I know this? Uh, You know, because uh, we see in Exodus uh, chapter 33. And before that, I want us to read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 to 26, where it says, By faith, Moses, when he became of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Wow he denied the pleasures of the palace by faith Moses denies to decides to give up he has a choice that he makes at this point to deny all the pleasures that he had in the palace and look at the next verse it says choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God can you believe this Will we do it when we had the palace, the pleasure of the palace and can we probably give that up so that we choose to suffer so that we can obey the instructions of God to deliver God's people out of Egypt and to get them into the promised land. That was the life of Moses where he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy. The passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to a reward. So Moses' motivation was a reward that he saw. And you're wondering, what is this reward? I want us to look at Exodus chapter thirty-three and verse one to three, where uh, the Lord tells Moses, "Depart, go from here. You and the people were." who you have brought out of the land of Egypt to the land, which I swore to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob to your descendants. I will send my angel before you. So now God is telling Moses, I want you to to go and get these people into the promised land. I will send my angel before you. So he promises, I will give you protection. I will send you the, I mean, so that he can guide you. And not only that, I will drive out all your enemies. And God goes on to describe the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Parasite, all of those, you know, ites. And uh, then he says, go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, a land of blessing. The only condition that God says is. I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way because you are a stiff necked people. God says, I'll do all of this for you so that you reach your promised land, but I will not go for you, go with you. And I want you to see Moses' response in this, contrary to the Egyptian, I mean, to the Israelites. I'm sure I can't. I'm not sure that I can say it's. I will be sure, but looking at the response that they had before, where they forgot their oppression that they faced up with Egypt, and they said, "God, I want to go back to Israel. I mean, I want to go back to Egypt. I want to eat all the burgers and the pizzas that I used to have there," and and they had that, you know, pleasure for those things uh, of the world, if I can call it, but yet. Moses denies all of that and he has this response, amazing response in Exodus 13 verse 15. Moses responds, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. And where is here? The wilderness. Moses says, God, I'm okay to stay in this wilderness as long as your presence is with me. I cannot do anything if your presence is not with me. And so he chooses God's presence over the pleasures of the land that is flowing with milk and honey, he chooses to give up on his past, his you know the blessings of Egypt, Pharaoh, the palace, all of that, so that he can obey God. That is the sign of a man who fears God, who has a reverential awe of God, contrary to the Israelites. Now, I want us to come back to another story. Uh, In the Bible, and of course, we see in Exodus chapter 33, uh, verse uh, 11, where it says that the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face and he used to speak to him as a friend. No wonder God decides to be uh, uh, speaking to Moses as a friend, face to face. And then it also says that Moses says, God, if there's one thing that I desire in verse 18, I want to see your glory, show me your glory. And we know the story of how Moses gets to experience God's uh, presence in a powerful way and then we see that okay Moses was used by God to bring the people to a point and he also raises up a next line leader Joshua who takes the people into uh, the promised land I want us to look at Genesis chapter 39 of another man that we know who actually was a very handsome young man his name is Joseph And how he feared God and he decides to choose to guard his life. In uh, Genesis 39 where Potiphar's wife comes to test him or tempt him if I can use that, allure him and he says this beautiful statement. He says, how then can I do this great evil and sin against God? This is a sign of a man who fears God and for sure he was imprisoned because of this choice. The choice in revival to fear God because we want to stay away from everything that breaks God's heart, will probably take us into some of these situations of threats and being in the prison. But we know the story that ends uh, in Genesis chapter 39, verse 21, where it says the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the warden. And we know the rest of the story where he gets into uh, you know, all the blessings, his entire family, you know, the, the lineage of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, they are all preserved because of Joseph taking some of these choices in his generation. And I want us to come back to Acts chapter 2 to bring you one more story. In the great revival that we saw where there were signs and wonders, there were the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, where the comfort of the Holy Spirit was and yet the people that walked in the fear of the Lord, where people were being added into the church, there was this wonderful incident that shook me, that made me wonder that God, is this my response as well? Acts chapter 5, I want to read it out. There was a man Ananias and his wife Sapphira, who sold a piece of property, kept back some of the proceeds for himself with his wife's full knowledge and bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostle's feet. Verse three. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan? filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the proceeds of the land while it remained unsold did it not remain your own after it was sold was it not under your control why is it that you've conceived this deed in your heart you have not lied to man or men but to God and as they heard as he heard these words Ananias collapsed and died and great fear came over all who heard about it. So we know the story that Ananias had a choice. We, we know the rest of the story of how his wife also did the same thing and he she also fell dead. And we we see that Ananias and Sapphira had a choice to even retain the entire thing. They didn't have to, you know, keep some for them and they, they didn't have to lie. Probably they didn't. They told uh, the apostles that this was the whole amount, you know, that they brought before them. that's probably, uh, you know, what they did. And yet the Bible says that. Uh, they weren't aware that whatever they did in secret was exposed before God. They thought that they could lie with man. And yet they didn't, they weren't aware of God. They weren't aware. They didn't tremble at God's word. Isaiah 66 says that he, God loves, A person who is humble and trembles at God's word, that shakes, that considers, that values, that pays attention to God's heartbeat and what he thinks rather than what other people think, rather than probably the approval of man. So Ananias and Sapphira, um, Sapphira, they fall dead because of their lack of the fear of the Lord. And yet it is in the same generation that the church continued to grow because the disciples walked in the fear of the Lord in the awareness of God that God was watching the entire show and verse 11 of Acts chapter 5 great fear came over all the church the whole church and over all who heard about these incidents reading on verse 12 at the hands of the apostles many signs and wonders were taking place verse 13 I want you to see another response not just Ananias and Sapphira but the rest of the people that were around them None of the rest dared to associate with them. So like the Israelites, there were people that experienced, that saw, they were part of the move, they were part of the revival, but they did not dare to join, you know, the rest of the church. But verse 14, increasingly the believers in the Lord, they were being added to the number. Those who fear God, those who allow the Holy Spirit to comfort them will have the ability to be part of the great move of God, where signs and wonders, where God's plans, God's purposes of the church growing and nations being transformed, communities being transformed. All of this is definitely going to happen in our generation. What is our choice? It is one thing to pray for revival. It is one thing, another thing to probably give for revival. What is our choice? What is our heart's condition? Are we willing to allow God's glory to expose the sins in our heart and draw closer to him? A person who fears God will allow God to expose his heart's condition because he loves God, because he wants to draw closer to God, because he knows that this good plan of God is better in the light of eternity to have, to, to, you know, complete, to fulfill God's will and come back to say that God, I've done everything and to hear from God, well done. Well done, my daughter. Well done, my son. You can enter into my rest in this year of rest and satisfaction. Can we be this generation I will believe for revival? Can we be this generation like Moses, like Joseph, like the disciples, like the apostles that will continue to walk in the reverential awe understanding of God? Isaiah chapter uh, 11, it talks about the spirit of the Lord that was upon Jesus, the spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel and strength, knowledge and the fear of the Lord. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of the fear of the Lord. If you are struggling and wondering, how do I have this fear of the Lord? Walk with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will help you to hear his knows and his yeses on what you need to do and what you shouldn't do and how to fulfill the plans of God in your generation, in our generation. I'm believing for revival. How about you? I am believing that we can be this generation that can allow the presence of God to hover in our generation. Shall we pray? Father, I just want to thank you for each and every believer, every sister, every brother that is watching today's message that you will minister to them that the spirit of the Lord will come upon our generation. Daddy, we are so hungry. We are so desperate. We want to see, Father, your love flowing through our generation, flowing through our communities, bringing our hearts together in oneness, bringing our hearts together to see your mighty signs and wonders of God. We want to see lives being Transformed, oh God. We want to see the church growing. We want to see Father God your glory being unlocked. Jesus won't you pour out your spirit afresh across your people. Will you not have your way? Will you not have your dominion? We want to see that revival in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons please do visit us at wscc.in.